Sue Wonky is going to be our fantastic speaker for today. She's a 20-year veteran in the software industry. She's currently the uh, senior director of of content of experience content for the uh, Salesforce Corporation, one of the largest uh, corporations in the world. Most of her life, she was agnostic. Last five years, she became a Jesus follower. God has used her along with a group of leaders to really give birth to launch uh, a faith movement in the workplace at the level of tens of thousands of people. So please, without any further ado, please welcome my good friend, Suwaki. Well, thank you, Pastor Herman. It is an honor to be speaking today in the wake of all of this chaos and tragedy and and also honoring those who have given their lives courageously with Memorial Day. It's an honor to be here. And uh, I have to admit, though, when Pastor Herman asked me if I wanted to come speak a few weeks ago, I was pretty terrified. So I've known Pastor Herman for several years. As he said, I decided to follow Jesus only five years ago after a lifetime as an agnostic. And when I began to be a Jesus follower, it became a huge part of my life. And I was part of the team that started Faith Force, which is Salesforce's Faith Employee Resource Group. And to everybody's surprise, mine included, it became the, the fastest growing employee resource group in company history. And it even helped spawn other groups at other companies so people could integrate their faith in the workplace. They, could, they didn't have to leave that at the door. For, for those for whom faith is, is incredibly important or even exploring faith, we want to be able to bring that into the workplace. And, and we know faith has been important through these difficult times for so many people. You don't want to hide that. How can we include that? So I began to speak. People started asking me to speak. I shared my testimony. I, I shared it here at, at New Beginnings a few years ago even. And God began to prepare me and get me used to speaking. And, and slowly I gained confidence in all of that. But then COVID hit. And like all of us, I climbed into my cave and it was a mix of good and bad, but I kind of started to like it. And of course, all of the live speaking ended. And even, you know, some of the online speaking slowed down. And, and even that I kind of liked. It was easier. And I kind of thought like, oh, I guess this isn't what I do now. I don't do that anymore. So when, when Pastor Herman reached out and asked if I wanted to come speak to this incredible church and give this message, I thought, wow, what an honor what a privilege, not in a million years, not in a million years would I feel prepared, confident, equipped enough to do this thing. But before I typed, no thank you, which was what I was dying to type, I remembered, oh, I have an advisor now. I don't make my own decisions. I consult with God. And so I prayed. And through that prayer, I realized, oh, maybe I'm supposed to do this thing. Maybe I could do this. And it went from absolutely not to maybe I could to I think I should to I must do this thing. I, I feel like this is a, my purpose. God's giving me an opportunity and I need to be courageous enough to step up to it. But decisions are hard. Life is made up of decisions and we're going to be talking about how to courageously make those decisions through prioritization, courageous prioritization. Why does that matter? Why does prioritization matter? Well, when you do it well, it can make 
making decisions a lot faster. You can say, oh, that's priority one. I know what I do with a priority one. That's a two, a three, and a four. And you know the action that you can take with it. You can make decisions faster. But it's bigger than that. And Pastor Herman touched on this. His question of what can we do? What can we do with this one and only miraculous life that we've been given. This, think about all the decisions our parents made and our grandparents and our great-grandparents, all of the things that had to happen in the world to somehow bring us into existence in this moment. If we got our priorities right and we knew what our purpose was and we could step into that purpose, what would happen? What if we have an opportunity in this one and only life to be there for somebody in the wake of a tragedy or in a small moment? What if we could step more and more and more into our purpose through prioritization by knowing what what we should do and what we shouldn't? We don't want to waste this life. We don't want to wake up at the end of our life and say, oh, that's all I did or I amassed those things. And, you know, Jesus touches on the dangers of, of not living your life with purpose. He says in Mark eight thirty six, for what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world but suffer the loss of his soul? What does it matter at the end of our life if we have gained all the power or all the things if they weren't the right things? What did we miss out on? And the thing about God is is he'll still take your life no matter what you're dealing with. You know, you may not be in a space where you can live in the center of your purpose right now. You might be fighting all sorts of things and we'll talk about that. But what if, what if we could do that? And, and, And as we're working our way toward that, as we're taking baby steps toward that and we might be really far from that purpose, God will bless it and he'll bless it no matter what, he'll bless it anyway. But we could be missing out on some glorious plan that God has for us, some people he has for us to meet, some things for us to do. And one of the things about coming to faith later in life, and I'll I'll share my my one minute testimony. The full thing is at my, when I spoke here before, but basically I grew up in a very religious town in Utah and my family was not religious. And so two things came of that. One, I felt like an outsider. And two, I also felt like the target of pretty hardcore evangelism. So I hated religion and didn't think I needed it. But then I had three kids and one had some health problems. And I was researching and I was kind of at the end of my abilities and I was reading this medical article and at the end of it was a very unexpected sentence involving God. The doctor had written, don't discount God in your healing. God can be part of it all. And that was the first time in my life that I was open to those three little letters G-O-D. And you might be in that place right now. You might be just now cracking your heart open to the possibility of God. You might be a different faith. You might be exploring. Everything is welcome here. But that's where I was, where that was the first time my heart cracked open. And once that happened, people started to come into my life and music and things that all kind of pointed me in one direction. And this culminated in this truly miraculous call from my Aunt Jean who called right when I was ready to hear it and said, Sue, I know this is going to sound weird, but I'm supposed to call you right now and tell you about God. And it proceeded to be the most profound 30 minutes of my life. Just a beautiful sharing of, of what Jesus meant to her in her life. And I had a decision to make, a courageous decision at the end of that phone call. Do I believe this thing or 
do I brush it off as a coincidence? And so I made that courageous decision. I walked into a church the next day and said, how do you give your life to Jesus? And I read the book of John and I learned about Jesus and I learned about this incredible man who, who cared about the forgotten and, and cared about justice. He cared about the chaos in the world and what we could do, as Pastor Herman said, what can we do? He did it. He showed up every day. He fought difficulties. He inspired people. He cared about the forgotten. That's who I follow now. And if you're open to exploring that, that's, let me tell you a little bit more about Jesus. Jesus was a man who, who as he was dying, looked down from the cross at, at his mother and asked John to take care of her, who asked for forgiveness for those who were murdering him. This is the man that we follow and and there's a reason that we're here and it could very well be to approximate Jesus, to look a little bit more like Jesus, to act a little bit more like Jesus, to show up in the wake of a tragedy, to be there for people, to answer the phone, to help when you could detract, to step up. And that's what this is about. This is about how do we make the decisions that will lead us closer to our purpose, to the center of our purpose. And one thing about coming to faith later in life is that I have amassed all of these tools from my leadership training, from technology and software that I can now apply with a faith lens and they become exponentially more powerful. So the number one tool framework that I love and rely on is called, I call courageous prioritization. And this is from the software industry. And, and it's called that because everything in software is prioritized. One, two, three, or four. If you think of a, a patient portal, for example, how many of you have uh, logged online and made an appointment with your doctor? How many of you dread doing that because of the five passwords and multi-factor authentication and pins? And I'm in both camps. I have made an appointment and I also dread it because I always forget my password. But once you're in there, it's an incredible piece of software. It has all this functionality. You can see your medical records. You can email your doctor. Things you couldn't do five years ago in some cases that these hospitals are clamoring for the best software, right? And all of that consists in the back end of code snippets and that's all tracked as user stories. So one you know, product could have a thousand features behind it and 500 engineers building those features, thousands of, of features even. And the way, how do they know what to do first? How do they know where to start? Rigorous, courageous prioritization. Everything is a one, two, three, or four. And I think that applies to life. I think everything in life could be a one, two, three, or four. And if we could figure out what is that, what does a one look like? What does a two look like? We could make decisions. Because with software, you might wonder what is success if we have a backlog of a thousand items to do. You might think, well, it's doing all of those things, doing the ones and then the twos and then the threes and the fours and being done. And that's not true. With software, success is doing only the ones and the twos. Well, why is that? If we're focused on the threes and the fours and fixing every corner of every field, our competition will be building other ones and twos. They will be out there in the field asking customers, what do you want? How can we build it? We built it first. And only doing the ones and twos. And I think that's what life is like. I think life is about figuring out what are those four priorities and focusing on the ones and twos. So what are those priorities? Let's get into it. So for me, this is how I remember. One is true. What is the things that you you should be doing that are in the center of your purpose? Two is tough. 
What are the things you should do but you don't want to do the hard work of life? Three is tempting, the things you want to do but should not do. And four is toxic, the things that you must fight with everything in you to get out of your life, to be delivered from. So we're gonna talk about those. And as we said, why does it matter? If you know, and you will know, what something is, if it's a one or a two in your life or a three or a four, and then you know the action, you can make decisions quickly and you can lean more and more away from the threes and fours and toward the ones and twos. So before we dive into it, first we have to grade ourselves. So why is that? Well, it's, it's graduation season. My own daughter graduated from high school just this past week. We have to grade ourselves so we can see what area are we struggling with because it's, I guarantee you, different for everybody in here. So I would say grade yourself, grade myself on my ability to live in my purpose. I know what my values are and I'm doing it. I'm executing on it. And it's okay if it's an F. There's probably really good reasons if it's, if it's a lower grade. You're helping somebody. You are stuck somewhere. That's okay. Just be honest. Number two, grade yourself on your ability to follow through, to do the hard things of life and follow through and do them anyway. Number three is to say no when you're tempted, you know, when you really should say no to block those things, and finally, to truly block those things that are toxic in your life. And again, you might be in any situation here, straight Fs is fine too. It's all about being honest, but there might be one that stands out to you. That's the one to really pay attention to as we go through this. Okay, let's dive in. So what is priority one? That's very important to figure out. What does it feel like? What does it look like? A priority one for me is the feeling of, I must do this. I must do this. It can be easy or hard. For example, easy might be, you know, I'm in the flow. I am doing my purpose. I'm, I'm helping somebody. It could also be, you know, if, has anyone in here ever held the hand of somebody dying and loved them and told them so? That's really hard, but it's the truest thing that ever existed. It is absolutely true. So figure out it could be easy or hard, and the action to take when, when a one comes to you into your life, you'll know it's a one. You might be scared of it, it might be hard to do, but the action ultimately is to say yes to it. That might mean disrupting your whole life. It might mean moving, it might be, mean saying yes to a person, to a job, to a career, but making time for it, asking God, is this yours? Is this from you? Is this your will? And, and taking action and going for it. I say, in my life, I try to aim for 75%. So the bulk of my life is standing in the center of my purpose. And by the way, I fail all the time and it probably isn't that close, but that's the goal, that's my aim. What if, what would a life be like? 75% of your time standing in your purpose, doing what you were here on earth, the miraculous life that you have, doing what you're supposed to be doing, doing it now, not doing it 20 years from now, but now showing up, what could we do? You know, when I try to think of these things, I always pray. I pray the Lord's Prayer to remember all the different elements. How will I know if it's a true? Well, I just pray. I pray in the morning with my dog next to me, Cooper, uh, on my little beige couch in the front room. I pray, and I pray the Lord's Prayer. And, and God says in Matthew 6.10, your kingdom come. 
your will be done on earth. And you might just be exploring faith, but what if? What if you could ask God, what is your will? Not just for my life, but for every single day. What if you could sit on your couch and look at your calendar with God, imagine Jesus right next to you, and you say, okay, well, what are these meetings actually about? Maybe I'm supposed to thank somebody. Maybe I'm supposed to make somebody feel heard. Maybe I am supposed to solve a really hard problem. Maybe you're, you're in the grocery store and, and maybe you could compliment somebody. Maybe you could just remind somebody, you know, you can call me day or night. I am here for you. Whatever your purpose is, God will tell you in that prayer time. Look at your calendar. Think about your day. People will come to mind. I'll, I'll think, oh, I got to text my sister and tell her I love her. Things like that will come to mind about what your purpose is. It'll come to you in bite-sized pieces. So that is really important. We have an example of somebody choosing a one in the Bible. If you remember, Jesus went to Bethany and he went to the house of Martha and Mary. And Martha, being a good host, busied herself, tried to make Jesus feel welcome. And Mary, her sister, sat and listened, the Bible says. Imagine God on your sofa, the persona of God in Jesus in front of you. Mary chose to listen. And it's not that what Martha chose was wrong or bad. She's trying to be a good host. It just wasn't a priority one. She didn't choose priority one. And, and in Luke 10:41, it says, you know, Martha's complaining, Jesus, why, why is this okay? And, and he, she, he says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion. What if we could choose the good portion? often between two good choices, right? But what is the one? What is the one, the purpose, the opportunity that we might be missing out on? Is, there, is God talking to us and we're ignoring it because we're not listening? What if we knew what our purpose was and could step into it on a daily basis? That's how we can find out our one. So that's number one, true. Number two, is called tough. These are still important. These are still the things that need to be done. It turns out Martha was doing a two. She was doing the tough things, cleaning up the house, serving. Those are good things to do. In that moment, it would have been better to sit and listen to God, but tough are often things we have to do every single day, cleaning up our room. For me, it's, it's studying. So it turns out my master's degree in poetry <laughs> didn't exactly prepare me for the real world. So I have to compensate by studying the complex things every week that my team is, is writing about so I understand. I have to take care of my life, clean up my life. I have to exercise, things I can't delegate. I can't delegate learning, right? I can't say no to learning. If I want to be able to luxuriate and, and step into the ones, I have to do the twos every single day. What are the things in our life studying um, working, taking care of things. I have a, a nephew with three kids under the age of seven and two jobs. More than, than uh, a good chunk of his life is in the tough right now, but if, if, if he keeps doing those things and steps up as a father and as a husband, that pendulum will, will switch just a little bit, that, that scale where most of your life might feel tough right now, but if you keep doing it, it will shift more and more into your purpose. So for me, tough is I should do this thing. I know I should do it. I don't want to do it. It's always hard to do. This is a two. It's always hard. The action is to do it anyway and follow through. 
do it anyway. Every single day, do the tough things. And my goal is to aim for 20% every single day. (laughs) For the rest of my life, it'll be 20%. There's always going to be work. And we know from the Bible that Jesus faced this too. You know, he's the best model we have for somebody waking up and doing it anyway, doing it. And you know, the, the, the thing I use, so I'm an online church goer. I got really used to that. I like it a lot. I clean my dishes while I'm listening to Pastor Herman. And what I missed though was communion. And so I bought a pack of 50 of these little things on Amazon and it has a wafer and juice and you've seen these. And, um, I think about the way, when I take the wafer out and I do it a couple times a week, I think about Jesus's life with the juice. I think about his death, but with the wafer, I think about his life, his body, how he woke up and he did the things God asked him to do. Even when he was tired, we know he was tired. Even when he was overwhelmed and even when he was scared, we know in the garden of Gethsemane that he was scared. He said, please, you know, take this cup from me, but he did it anyway. What could we do anyway? What could we sacrifice for this life as, as gratitude, as acknowledgement that God, you allow me to be here. It's not for my joy. It's not for my money. It's for a reason. What could I give back to you every single day as a sacrifice to you? I could, I could sacrifice my sloth. I could sacrifice my time online. I could sacrifice and give you a a, a prayer. I could read. I could do things that are hard to do, but are good for me. And and you know that they are good for me. And I have to do them all the time. And, And luckily, as I go through the Lord's prayer with my dog Cooper and Jesus on the other side, I get to the part where it says, give us this day our daily bread. So God will sustain us. God will nourish us that day for the hard things that we need to do. So we did true, I, sh- I must do this. We did tough, I should do this. And we are now onto tempting. Now we're getting into the danger zone. In software terms, these are the things we should avoid. We can do some of them, but we shouldn't do all of them and we shouldn't stay in the threes for sure. So I call this tempting. This is what it will feel like to you is I shouldn't do this thing. I shouldn't do this. You know it. You know it. The second you feel that I should not do this, that's a three. It's, we're going to be tempted every day of our lives for the rest of our lives. This is not anything that will go away. Just like tough, we have to wake up every day with tough and do it anyway. With tempting, we have to wake up every day and say no to it every day, every day. So for me, this comes in the form of people pleasing. Uh, I got asked to go to a retreat a few years ago. I knew I shouldn't go to it. It wasn't the best use of my time. I'd be sacrificing family time, but I wanted to be polite. And so I went and I sat there resentfully and mad at myself and missing my family. And, you know, we don't have to make those decisions. We could, I could have said, oh, I'm tempted because I want to please this person. It's a three. Say no to the threes. Sometimes it's something you could delegate. Maybe you could ask to be on five boards with your community or your school. It's probably not all for you, right? You could delegate that. But people are always going to be asking things of you. Or substances will always be calling to you. You know, I love to overeat. I could do that as till the sun came up, but I have to say, no, I have to stop myself. Um, it could be 
people or it could be things that are tempting you, but you'll know what your temptation is. You'll know when you have that feeling, I shouldn't do this, and you should say no. And, and when you do, forgive yourself. Forgive yourself for all the times that you will mess up and that you will forget and you'll give in to a temptation. Temptations aren't the end of the world. They're the things that, that draw you and pull you and that you have to be strong against. Um, I try to aim for, 50, for 5%. So just a little, give, my, give myself a break, right? I love to go on reels, Instagram reels, and just zone out. And sometimes I can do that way too long. So I need to have boundaries, have healthy boundaries for things. It's dangerous. Temptation is actually quite dangerous. Think about uh, getting sucked into social media or online bickering, right? It can start small. Temptation always starts small. And then it can grow so easily. That's why we have to watch for it and be on guard. And we know that this is a danger, a serious danger, because in the Bible, temptation is, is mentioned 78 times, I think. And luckily, if we keep going through the Lord's Prayer, it's like clockwork. It gets right to that number three, and it is Matthew 6.13, lead us not into temptation. And if you pray that on a daily basis, you'll think ahead, what are my temptations today? I'm tempted to say yes to this. I'm tempted to give in to this. And how could I maybe, in some small way, say no? Temptation could be a huge part of your life. You might just want to sit on the couch and play video games for, you know, sun up to sun, sundown. You're not a bad person, but how could you just take a baby step out of that? So we know temptation can be very serious too. Um, the, the example that comes to mind for me is when Peter was tempted to deny Jesus and, and did so. So Jesus was taken away to be crucified Jesus warned Peter that he would do this and, and beloved, Peter who beloved Jesus, he's noticed by a servant girl in Luke 22 and the servant girl says, this man also was with him, but Peter denied it. Peter who was swept up with the, the mob and the fear of being found out, of being potentially crucified, persecuted as well as a follower of Jesus, an understandable fear. Um, and Peter said, woman, I do not know him crushing his spirit, right? We know that that was agonizing for Peter. What are the things we get caught up in where, um, you know, we might go along with the crowd who's mocking somebody or mocking a belief. We might not want to stand up in those moments. What is one small thing that we could do to get out of that, to, to put a guardrail on that and step away from it? So we talked about priority one, true. Priority two, tough. Priority three, tempting, and now we're getting into real danger zone, which is toxic. The way you, you know a toxic, believe me, you can see a toxic coming a mile away. It's the feeling of, uh-oh, something is wrong. Red flag, danger. For me, it comes in the form of people. Uh, I have definitely been around my share of narcissistic people who both overtly can be abusive as well as covertly can charm and lie and manipulate and can, that's much more dangerous in a way because you're more likely it looks good and you, you fall for it. You go there and then once things get their claws in you, it can be really hard to, to come out of that. In fact, it can be like an anchor that drags you to the bottom and to the point where everything you've got to just stay afloat is put into that, let alone finding your purpose right? That's on the other shore. You're just 
swimming every day, fighting the anchor of this toxicity in your life. And it is often in the form of abusive people. And that's hard. I mean, it could even be a family member, right? But we have to put boundaries on that. So, so the feeling is something is wrong. And it's, you know, we talked about the others being hard or easy. Toxic is agonizing. Once it gets its claws into you, it's agonizing. It's painful. I know that some people in this room are in the clutches of toxic right now. I know people in my life are in the clutches of toxic, have been so for 20 years. And, and it's so hard to get out of. And I'm not saying get out of it simply and move on to purpose, but take a baby step, ask for help, research, figure out what you need to do. It could be certainly substance abuse will put us there. Um, So toxic is that feeling something's wrong. It's agonizing. And the action to take is to absolutely say no, do whatever you can to get out of it. Take baby steps. Once you're out of it or in the process of coming out of it is to devote your time. Your P1 will be healing P2 might be learning how did that happen, but P1, a huge chunk of your time is going to be healing. It might take 10 years to heal from abuse or trauma. Forgive yourself for all of it. And, and eventually you may even be able to forgive the abuser or the, the substance even. The thing, it's not about hating other people or condemning other people. We, we want to love everybody, right? But we still need to put up boundaries. And the aim for this is 0%. None of your life, none of your life in the toxic. And if we look at scripture, we read in uh, Matthew 6:13, deliver us from evil, not help us with evil, help us avoid evil. It's deliver us. 0% block it from my life, get evil out of my life. And it also says in there as we forgive those who trespass against us. We can still forgive ultimately. It's not about hating anybody. Take, protecting this one and only life that we've been given, being courageous, making hard decisions, and at least baby steps. So just to recap the four priorities, one is true. The feeling that I must do this. It is either easy or hard. The action is to say yes and aim for most of your life to stand in that, even if it takes many, many years to get there. Two is tough. This feeling like, I should do this. I don't want to, but I should do this. It's often uh, hard. It's always hard. And aim for 20%. The next one is tempting, which is, I shouldn't do this. And it's too easy. It's always easier to do. It's easy to lay into it. But try to say no. Forgive yourself when you don't, because it's a hard one every single day. Um, And aim for 5%. And the last one is tempting or toxic. Aim for 0%. This feeling of, oh no, I, this is danger. And say no to it. Aim for zero. So those are the four priorities. I think really evidenced in the Lord's Prayer, which we're going to end with. But I want to thank you for your time and just encourage folks to be courageous. When those things, those decisions attack you every single day, opportunities come to you, uh, missions and purpose come to you, identify, is this a one, two, three, or four? And then take the action. Say yes, yes, and no, and no, as much as you can in baby steps and little ways, and God will bless it. God will bless every baby step along the way as you aim towards your purpose, as you begin to stand in the center of it. What if you could? What could you be missing by hanging out over here in the wrong places? 
So I'm going to end with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us for our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Wow. Thank you, Sue, for bringing that powerful and very practical message on the importance of uh, driving the right priorities in order to maximize the life, this life that God has given us. Thank you so very much. And listen, guys, scan the QR code right here on the screen. It's time for us to move towards a commitment. And the first uh, set of options you're going to have on the next steps with Jesus is an opportunity for you right now today to do what Sue did uh, five years ago, and that is make a decision for Jesus. Turn your life and your destiny over to him. Make that the center of your prioritizing moving forward. And if you'd like for us to follow up with you personally, you can simply indicate that and we'll reach out to you. There's some other options there for you to consider as well. Now, here's the response uh, to the message that Sue has asked us to consider as a commitment. Simply this, I will take a step to make one change in my priorities. Identify what is that one change you're going you're to make in your priorities to maximize this life that God has given us. And then here's the reflection question that she wants us to wrestle with. And it's simply this, why does prioritization matter to me as a believer, as a person who's trying to impact life and, and live out who God has called me to be? Why does prioritization matter to me? 